Great, we are live. Welcome back to SwitchCast Live. We appreciate you being here. We are happy to be here tonight. I am your host, Doug Tabbitt, and SwitchCast is the podcast where we seek to educate, edify, and entertain you on the drive of your life. Season three this season, we've been focusing mostly on topics that uh, help buyers and sellers be smarter along the way and uh, avoid uh, pitfalls and traps when they're buying and selling cars. And tonight is no exception. We are going to entertain you, but we're also going to talk about the, the main topic, which is what do you do or what do you not do when you've taken a bath on your car? Now, this is uh, <laughs> this wasn't a topic three years ago uh, because everybody expected to lose money on their cars for the most part. That That's not entirely true. Um, the investment game has been a thing for a while, but it ebbs and flows with market conditions and as hype builds up. And uh, certainly from like 2014 to 15, the market had run up big time and people saw cars as investments. And then that interest kind of waned and nobody really was into rare cars and buying them up as investments in like 2017 to 19. My goodness, a 997 GT3 RS, I had multiple that I had a hard time selling at 125 grand. Like, they sat. They Ugh, sat. It hurts my soul. <laughs> I still don't have that kind of money now, but I'm, it's closer. Right. I mean, air-cooled Porsches for not cheap, but cheaper. Um, you know, 50 grand for a, a G50 uh, 911 Carrera 3.2. But, you know, whatever. We all have hindsight. We knew that happened. But, but the point of the discussion is, like... It It is hilarious to me that I have to coach people on what to do when their car goes down in value, even though the general rule of thumb is cars go down in value. Uh, but we've become so accustomed. It's like people forget history immediately. We've become so accustomed to cars going up in value the last couple of years that we, we don't know what to do uh, when the opposite happens. But... Uh, Speaking of the opposite, I like doing a market update, kind of picking a vehicle each week to see how it fits in with the market and how it gives us a, a real-time data point of what the market's doing. And even in this declining market, and it certainly is declining, um, there are some outliers. And it's very, very difficult to figure out what's going to defy the market. But this week... Uh, a 1998 Viper GTSR, one of the championship edition cars. They're all in white with blue stripes, uh, and they essentially commemorate the Le Mans Viper GT2. And uh, forgive me if I get that backwards because I've gotten it backwards forever. I used to think that the street version was GT2 and the race version was GTSR, and maybe that is the case, but it's one of those things. It's like you just, you say it so many times, you never remember which is which, and you convince yourself you're wrong every time. But anyway, and I, I feel like the racing version should be called GTSR, but you regardless. Are it is GTSR. The street version the, is GTSR. The race, car. race car is GTSR. What? <laughs> and the street one is GT2? I. I only well hold up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure this. Out. I think it's backwards of what we think. This is the, this is our problem. Anyway, it's the white with blue stripes one with BBS wheels and a giant wing and racing harnesses, and they only made a hundred of them. Hundred or two hundred? Now I'm really failing. Anyway, I can't Google this. Super fast super rare, and I've had 
a, a, a hankering for one of those for a long time, but I've just, I've never pulled the trigger mostly because I can't get over the six inch wheel gap and the Chrysler PT cruiser steering wheel. Like it's, it's truly, truly awful. Every time I get close to buying a Viper, I look at the steering wheel and go, I can't stare at that when I'm driving down the road. Uh, Anyway, uh, maybe I could remove the airbag and put an early three-spoke <laughs> wheel on it. Regardless, I digress. Um, oh, but I, I'm going to digress a little bit more. I'm nearly positive. I can't find the photo, but a girl that I was seeing in college worked for this uh, pizza delivery place, or, or knew a pizza delivery guy or something like that in her town that used a Viper GTSR. As they're like, they own the place, but they would deliver pizzas in the Viper GTSR. That's nuts. And I, I know I'm almost positive I saw a picture of it because she wouldn't know what a GTSR was. She's just like, oh, it's a car with stripes, you know. Um, I shouldn't say that. I think she was into cars. But regardless, <laughs> I, I have this picture burned in my brain, but I went for, through my photo photos. I couldn't find it for the life of me. But that was like a life goal, seeing that being like, I want to be that guy. Yeah. Some people dream of parking cars and collections in a bubble. And I'm like, no, I want to deliver pizzas in a Viper. So one of these 100. The subtle flex. Yeah. One of these 100 GTSRs has like pizza grease on the seats from being used as a delivery car. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, but you I should keep the pizza warm. That's for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can only deliver one at once, but you'd It'll keep be fast it warm. and warm. <laughs> oh, Yeah. During COVID, actually, I almost, uh, can I say that word or would, do we get like taglines at the bottom of our video now? To uh, we might get fact checked, but as long as you're, yeah, yeah, go for okay, it. Okay. During the pandemic, um, when they first like shut everybody down, I wasn't sure if we were able to keep the dealership open or whatever. I had a Ford Lightning in stock and I was like, well, screw it. I've got a racing suit and a racing helmet. So that should be like, covid safe right and i was gonna start lightning fast delivery and just do DoorDash, and like just make videos and pick people's lunches up and stuff like my friend has a restaurant i was just gonna do delivery for him and just do just rolling burnouts every time i left and like e-brake pull it up you know just like who cares there's nobody on the roads the cops aren't doing yeah. anything it would have been so sweet and like the most disappointing thing or I guess the most exciting thing about that period of time was like, oh, man, I'm going to have nothing to do. I can do all these crazy ideas that I've been wanting to do. And then our business picked up like immediately because everybody was buying cars. And when I thought our business was going to completely die, it just ballooned. So I didn't get to do that. And to this day, I, I oh. rue that I didn't make those videos. Oh. It would have been so much that, No, that would have been amazing. Just to go through a set of rear tires every three days, delivering lunches, tooling around town with nobody on the roads, yeah. drifting a pickup truck around. <laughs> Here's your salad or whatever. <laughs> Sorry. Our, I already mixed the dressing in there for you. <laughs> <laughs> this is why Tyler's on the show. <laughs> None of this Tyler is yours. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> We're going to get to 20% of our topics tonight. <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of which, all of you who are with us live, YouTube, Facebook, book, Facebook, uh, Facebook and TikTok, thank you for joining us. 
hey, interact with us, post your comments, uh, good, bad, ugly, whatever, um, and uh, questions, whatever, and we'll get to as many of them as we can. If we can't get to them during the live show, we have a bonus round afterwards called Tip Talk, and uh, which is only for the live viewers, and we'll get to your questions then. But by all means, if you want to discuss or have questions about what we're uh, talking about, throw them in there, and we'll do our best to get to them. So Viper GTSR, 100 of them made. This particular one was listed on Bring a Trailer in 2021. It had like uh, 1,900 miles, I think. So super low collector mile example, which most of them are. Um, man, you look at Prowlers. They mass produce those things, and most of those got stuck away in collections. They all have like 800 miles on them, you know, but it's like 100 of these Vipers. It's impossible to find one driven. Well, I shouldn't say that. It's not impossible, but yeah. Uh, the, the Chrysler collectors shoved them away. Um, sold for 150 grand in 2021. I started looking for one around that time. I should have friggin' just pulled the trigger because this one got relisted. And rarely do you see stuff relisted on Bring a Trailer. They are getting diluted by 800 listings per week, but they've done a good job of not doing like eBay where they just relist and relist and relist, right? Like that's, I think they've, that's one of their strongest points is you won't see a car on there multiple times if it doesn't sell. This particular one did get listed three times, but there was a year in between each listing. So the guy listed it, not sold for 150 in 2021, not sold for 166 in 2022, sold for 190 this week. What? Right? I was about to like give this guy crap for a whole home. Like, just take the money, man. But Whoa, right? that is nuts. Like complete opposite curve of the entire rest of the collector car market. Yeah. And even Vipers had a pretty big dip last year, kind of ahead of the rest of the market. And now they're coming back because there was a uh, like a 20,000 mile yellow late, like a 2001 RT10 that sold this week for 70 grand i think i mean big money for an rt10 it was a later model but anyway i just i thought that was cool because i don't think it's cool right because that's a car i want and it's going up in value and everything (laughs) else including my net worth is going down with the rest of the market i'm like come on but this is this is a message to people that that think they're car experts right like I do this for a living all the time. I'm in the market watching it all the time. I can't friggin' predict these trends. I can't predict these curves. I can't seem to get the timing right. You know, like I make my money based off of buying a $5 bill for four bucks and reconditioning it and selling it for five. But, you know, to try to, you know, predict that a $5 bill is going to be seven, especially when everything else is going down, it's, Man, you're you're either lucky or a genius, but either way, you're smarter than me. But this is why I tell people like, don't try to think of them as investments because they just you never freaking know what what something's gonna do. And and the stark reality is that your collector car, with certain exceptions, right now is not worth what you paid for it if you bought it in the last two years. It just isn't. Everything has gone down in value. So what next, right? So let's say you want to get out. Let's say you way overpaid for a car last year. You got caught up in the hype, whatever, and you're upside down on the car. Whether you owe money on it, whether you own it outright, doesn't matter. How 
do you handle, you know, the loss? What, what do you do? And the reason this is a question, I feel like it shouldn't be, but it is because I've had two really difficult examples this week with clients who just could not get out of their own way when it came to dealing with selling a car for less than they paid for it last year. And um, one of them, a great example of what not to do, um, you know, they're looking to get out of it. So they called a bunch of dealers, which is, you know, fair enough, right? You can either take the dealer route because you can get a check right away if, if that's what you need, or you can put it on Renless, bring a trailer, peak our market, whatever, go through the auction route or the retail route and deal with the tire kickers and, and try to get retail. But there's always risk there. Dealer check is in hand right now. And I give the customer respect because they reached out to me, even though I didn't sell them the car, but they had had a good experience and they wanted to give me the opportunity. So I wasn't particularly interested in the car, but I had a buyer for it and they made kind of a low offer in the 140s. No, thanks. I've already got 150 something covered. Okay, thanks again. Well, my buyer came back and said, screw that. I really want the car. Let's go 153, see if it'll beat them out. And so I told the customer and they said, yeah, well, the other dealer offered me 150. So they're probably going to be upset if I like back out because they've already sent me paperwork. But, you know, I think I'll sell it to you because it's a better number. Now, I've been on the other end of that umpteen million times where somebody has sold me out after agreeing to a deal and I hate it. However, I've lost that so many times that I'm like, listen, I'm not going to tell you what you should do because your ethics are your problem. This is not me having an ethical quandary, right? I just made you an offer. You do you, but if I get a win because you're unscrupulous, fine, because I've got, I've gotten so many losses and I'm like, fine, whatever. Somebody else can feel my pain. <laughs> as long as I'm not the one for exacting this for years. it. Well, no, but like, I wouldn't do that to somebody, but I'm like, you know what? Fine. If you're going to do that to somebody, it's been done to me so many times, you might as well do it to somebody else and let me have a win. However, he was so like, granted, he, he paid like 180, right? So it was... He was upside down on the car, but he kept going back and forth like, oh, well, can you give me like a grand more? Because they came back and matched my offer, even though they're upset that like I didn't, you know, agree to the original deal. And I was like, no, I can't. He's like, well, just, you know, I, I think 155 will get it. And I called him. I text him. I said, my buyer's out. And so he called me. He's like, well, you know, what does that mean? Do you, you know, do you think he can get to 155? Because I don't think the other dealer will pay it. I was like, I don't know what you know about what I'm out means or what you don't understand, but he's out. Well, you know, do you think like they said they'd match your offer, but I don't think they said they'd be out at 155. So I think if you pay that, then you get it. I was like, I don't think you understand. My buyer said he's out. So this was like a 15 minute, 20 minute conversation, like on repeat. And finally, I'm just like, listen you're you've lost my guy because you're trying to nickel and dime and play two parties against each other you're probably going to lose your other guy and you're going to be stuck with no buyers because you're trying to nickel and dime i'm like the other party gave you an offer they matched my offer even after you sold them out 
you should really sell the car to them and be like a good guy. I, at this point, I don't even care about losing a deal. I'm just like, just, just do the right thing because you're going to end up screwing yourself out of the offer you have. And the whole point of that long story was like, if you have a deal in hand, friggin' take it. Like I've lost so many deals by trying to like, not necessarily play one buyer against another, but just saying like, well, I have three buyers interested. I'm not going to take this guy's offer because it might get a little more from somebody else. And it almost never works out. So if you're trying to get out from a car, forget about what you have into it. And just like, you've got to erase that pain and say, okay, I've lost money. What is the best way to get out of it now? What is the simplest way? And if you have a good offer, take it. Don't try to go back and forth with people because especially with dealers, because people don't have patience for that, especially dealers. And it is a buyer's market. So if you dilly dally around, uh, the buyer might find another better deal somewhere else or change his mind tomorrow because he saw an auction result or something like two years ago that worked. The longer you waited, the better the offers got. That rarely happens. That's not a normal thing. Right now, you take the offer that you have in hand. And I preach my, that to myself too, because I've, you know, I've made some bad calls on that too. Uh, you know, you're playing the law of odds when you have a lot of cars for sale. But anyway, that's, uh, that's one thing. Let's go to a commercial. We'll go to a segment and then we'll come back to, to the other, uh, um, other example of, of what not to do in order to uh, recover value on your car or, or minimize your losses. Switchcast is brought to you by Boxcast. Boxcast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers around the world. Their founders launched Boxcast back in 2013 with one purpose, to make people a part of the experience. So if you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, BoxCast is an easy and flexible live streaming platform for organizations. BoxCast is so easy that we're broadcasting this show with a phone. So head on over to switchcars.com forward slash BoxCast for your free trial. And uh, as is uh, tradition here now at SwitchCast, it looks like Doug has taken a bit of a, a break or something. I don't know what he's doing. And the Corvette curmudgeon has joined us today. How, how are you doing this evening? Wonderful. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. The sun is shining. It's not, you know, too hot outside. We're, we're, we're doing pretty all right. Yep. Humidity level is about <laughs> 60%, which is right in the range. I'll drive my Corvette, and it's not going to rain for two days. Did you uh, drive your Corvette here tonight? Nope. Don't want to put the miles on it, uh, okay, but it well, would have been a good day. Yeah. There's would've. also no shows on the way, so, uh, you know, I only go out if there's a trophy potentially involved. Well, well, maybe we'll have one for you in the future so that we can actually see this car you've talked what to us. What classes so would there uh, be? Corvette class? What do you have? No, a C5? It's not specific enough. Do you have a... Is yours is a C5, yeah, right? C5, yes. And what color is it? Light Carmine Red. So we'd one have a... One of 382 in 1998. So we'd have a 1998 Light Carmine Red C5 Corvette class. Okay. I'm good I with that. I think you could probably do pretty all right. I'd probably be the only one. Well, you'd win. Yeah, that's what I like. <laughs> Yep. So I only go to shows I can win. <laughs> <laughs> I like the honesty. Uh, so tonight I wanted to ask you 
what is your favorite car memory that you have? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting up there, so some of them I forget. And I, I imagine you've had a lot of great memories with cars. Oh, right? hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every trophy I've won was a good memory. There's been lots of them because my Corvette is best Corvette. <laughs> Do you have uh, them displayed? No, but uh, <laughs> back in back in 1998, take a trip down to Bowling Green, Kentucky, and uh, did the you know the museum delivery, you know, and uh, but I went there uh, three weeks early, and uh, I I got a very cheap hotel. And, uh, yeah, and uh, met up with the uh, the bluegrass region of the Corvette Club and mm-hmm. got to talk to them about my special Corvette that was being built and then went to the factory to watch it being finished, come off the line and everything, and then, uh, you know, showed up at the museum and got a lunch at the restaurant there. It was friggin' expensive. It was friggin' ripoffs there. They got you there, but... Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, it was great because all the factory workers said their my Corvette was their favorite Corvette. It was the best one they had made. And, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, that was just a just a great time. Great memory. And you've had it ever since. I've, I've had, had it ever since. Did yeah. you uh, did you drive it home from the Corvette Museum? Well, yeah, I, I, I drove it home. That's the most miles it's ever seen because, you know, shipping and shippers are friggin expensive, you know, and they wouldn't let me watch them load it and wrap it in plastic myself, you know, before it got loaded up. So, um, you know, they, they want five hundred dollars to ship it to Ohio. Honestly, in 1998, that was a lot. Of, that's a lot. That's a lot of money yeah. to ship a car. I, I, I feel your pain. That sucks. Yeah. So I, I I drove it. I waited for a nice day and made sure to check the weather the whole way. Never never saw a drop of water. Did uh, so? What did you do for the three weeks beforehand? That's a lot of time. Was no, I went just... to the factory every day. Okay, I see. You just watch yeah. your car the entire just, time. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, honestly, uh, this was an unexpectedly wholesome Corvette curmudgeon uh, question. I didn't expect to go this way, but that sounds really fantastic. Heck yeah! I just think you should maybe drive your car more. But hey, we'll we'll touch on that next week. <laughs> Buy your own if you want to drive it. <laughs> hey, Corvette Curmudgeon, we got a we got a question in a, in TikTok for oh, you. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Lucas T is wondering what your what your go to adult beverage is. Friggin' Coors Light. There we go. Can't drink Bud Light. No. All right. Let's, uh, yeah. <laughs> and there it is. Thank you very much uh, to the Corvette Curmudgeon for joining us again today. Uh, he is brought to you unwittingly by the Corvette Buy and Sell Trade Group on Facebook, which is your source for cranky boomers, overpriced Corvettes, and reinforced stereotypes. It's so funny. Okay. <laughs> I love Ethan. You giggle at the exact same it's time. It's so funny. That, every time every I hear time. it, it gets me. I'm really funny when I <laughs> sit down and write. <laughs> In the moment is tough, but you uh, give me like four hours and I'll have a great comeback. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so speaking of speaking of the Corvette buy sell trade group, so uh, somebody posted a, a Corvette C8 in there a couple days ago for ten grand over sticker, which is a really dangerous dangerous thing to do in that group because they cannot stand any ripoff dealers flippers whatever any anybody selling anything for over stickers is a no-go in the corvette buy sell trade group even a c8 z06 which they're going for like a hundred grand over sticker but man you post one for 20 grand over and they they nail you to the wall but um anyway somebody posted one for 10 grand over which is you know, there's no denying that's too much. They are going for sticker or below right now. And it was a used one. So I somebody posted a response that 
had this group link to C8 Corvettes at MSRP or less. And it like had this meme of me in it. And I was like, huh, what did he just make that? And I clicked through and I found that I, a meme of me is the cover photo for the C8 Corvettes at MSRP or less Facebook group. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, Something like my Corvette is best Corvette because I bought it for less than sticker, said Doug Tabbitt. Probably. <laughs> it's so good. It's uh, equal to or less than MSRP Corvette is yes. best Corvette. Yes. Their their uh tagline is a group for ethical and enthusiastic C eight sales. <laughs> the ethical part of that is just hilarious <laughs> to me. Like what? Well, what's more hilarious to me, and maybe they're just like double ironic. And and I'm missing it, but the irony is that like little do they know how much breath I've wasted defending the ethics of ADMs or over sticker price for those not familiar with car dealer lingo, and also that I like essentially started my business selling cars over sticker, flipping them. Um, now, of course, the Corvette curmudgeon would never, ever, ever pay ADM, and uh, they would only probably buy at a discount if you included museum delivery. But the real Doug Tabbitt, non-Corvette curmudgeon, is a fan of capitalism, um, not collusion or market manipulation, mind you, because I think there's a big difference there. Um, but cars should sell MSRP. The S stands for suggested, and cars should sell for over or under whatever the market will bear it's not dealers being greedy it's just that's what they're selling for if a dealer is greedy when the market doesn't support it if a dealer asks 10 grand over sticker when the market's sticker they're not going to get it so they can't force the market um but speaking of over under sticker since everybody's been tired of paying way 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 too much for cars the last two years there is some good news. Um, according to Kelly Blue Book, the average price Americans paid for a new vehicle in May, while it did increase, the increase has tempered and it remained below sticker price. The average new car is selling below sticker for the fifth consecutive month, as opposed to last year, where I think it was like 94. Six percent of new cars sold over sticker, something crazy like that. The average price, basically all of this year, has been below sticker price. Now it's interesting though because the prices of the overall price has gone up, the average sale price, but the price relative to MSRP has declined because the manufacturers have been like jacking up the sticker price the last year to quote unquote keep up with inflation which I think it's more just keep up with demand because manufacturers have posted record profits typically the last couple of years. So like keeping up with inflation is not keeping up with inflation. It's them just, well, everybody's paying over. So we're going to reap the benefits of that instead of the dealers or the, the flippers or whatever. However, they're a little late to the ball game. And I find it funny that, that manufacturers are increasing prices going into this, you know, essentially recession because now they're offering incentives and rebates and crap. So like strategically, you know, whatever, I'm not a big time automotive CEO strategist. I don't get paid the big bucks. They probably know something I don't, but it 
seems counterintuitive to me because they're devaluing their product by perception. Because anytime you have a rebate, it's like, oh, we're, we're pushing this product. Whereas if they had just kept the sticker price where it was, they'd still be selling for sticker. And that perception of demand, a perception of value in their product would still be strong. So I don't get it, but... You know how people say perception is a reality? Does that apply to the car market in, in that kind of way that you're talking about right there? I perceive it to be. All right. Yeah, yeah. We don't have the just drum kit so out here. Big. <laughs> um, <sighs> I think so, but in a in one way, I see that more in the sense of like, I mean, you can't change the market, right? If people don't have money because of inflation, if their budgets are squeezed, then their budgets are squeezed. Period, and they're not going to be buying new cars, and that's a very real issue here. But in the high-end market, there's more emotions that go into it because it's typically people's extra money. It's disposable income for people fairly wealthy. So there's like a herd mentality. So when something becomes valuable to a few people, it becomes valuable to a lot. So people want what everybody else wants. And nobody wants what nobody else doesn't want which is why cars are a terrible investment because when everybody else is buying them, it's too late for you to capitalize on them, right? Like you have to, you have to be using the Warren Buffett uh, mentality of be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. You buy the cars that nobody wants when nobody wants them because eventually the herd mentality will take over and everybody will want them. So long-winded answer to that. But yeah, I, I think in, in the collector car world, perception is for sure reality. Um, but back to when you do lose money on your car, what do you do? I had another experience this week where somebody decided not to sell their 991.1, so 2016 GT3 RS, uh, because they were taking too big of a loss on it. And they're like, I just, I can't stomach, they're like, I can't stomach the 40K loss for a car I put 300 miles on. Which, one, you should have put more miles on it. But the reason they didn't is because they didn't like the car. So it's like, okay, if you don't like the car, sell it. Why hold on to something you don't like? However, their response was, I'm going to put the car in a bubble and hold it for like five years to recover my money. Don't those 911s like continue depreciating for a bit? (laughs) Sorry if I was cutting you up. No, it's... (laughs) I'm sighing at the customer, not you. It's uh, There's so many things wrong with this. The first is that I had a shipper there booked and a sold customer on the car because he committed to sell it. That was oh no, also <laughs> wrong. But yikes. the the mentality, the thought process is wrong. Um, it's right if you're thinking about stocks, right? Or houses, because if you have investments in the stock market and your retirement, if you sell when stuff is down, then you're taking the loss. If you don't sell, then you haven't lost money, right? Because historically 
stocks go up at approximately 10% per year on average, period. And if it's your retirement, then there's no reason to sell now. You keep it in and you just ride it out. Houses historically have increased in value, only a couple periods where they decreased. So it's like, well, if you're selling at a down period, that's dumb because you're realizing a loss that you would make back on the upswing. However, cars don't work that way because cars aren't investment. Cars don't historically follow that curve, right? So he's already lost the money. He didn't want to sell because he's like, well, I don't want to lose 40 grand. I'm like, you've already lost 40 grand. The question is now, if you realize it, you can take that 200 grand and put it into something else and essentially recover your money, right? Put it in the stock market, put it in real estate, put it in a better car that will recover value. And he's like, his response is, well, you know, cars aren't investments for me. And I'm like, but you're literally thinking of it as an investment because you're going, I don't want to lose the money. I'm going to put it in a bubble to recover it. And I'm like, that doesn't work because one, you picked the wrong car. It's a 2016 RS, which is not rare. Like, Every Corvette pace car ever made is more rare than a 2016 RS. They made like 2,000 of them or 2,500 just for North America. They produced the crap out of the 991 RSs. And it wasn't low mileage. It was 18,000 miles, which, I mean, it's low mileage for a Toyota. But in the grand scheme of collectible stuff, if you're going to put a car in a bubble, you start with the best lowest mileage example you can and keep it that way because those are the cars that bring the most money because other collectors want them. So, you know, if you're buying a piece of art, you don't want a piece of art that, you know, your children, somebody's children painted over, right? It's the one kept in the gallery. So like one, you're doing it with the wrong car Two, you have the wrong mentality. Three, the old Dave Ramsey, uh, uh, rationale. If you had 200 grand sitting on your kitchen table with which to do something, either buy a car you want or buy an investment, would you buy this car? And the answer would be no, because he already said he didn't want the car because he bought it. He didn't like it. It wasn't the right car for him. So I'm like, you've already made a mistake in buying the car at big value and losing money on it. Don't compound that mistake. Like just admit, okay, I bought the wrong car, get out and then either get into a better car. If you want a car to be like an enjoyable investment, then, then find something that, you know, will perform, you know, find an actual rare car with really low mileage and to something that you like because there's nothing worth worse than sitting on a car that you're stuck in that you don't like i've i've been there multiple times where it's like you know if i get stuck with a car that i love awesome great so i'll drive it for five years and whatever i'll enjoy it while the value recovers or maybe it never will but i don't care because i love it but uh, there's an old dealer um i can't remember who this was but a friend of mine told me he asked this dealer, like, uh, what do you, you know, you've got a pretty interesting collection. How do you, how did you decide what to buy? And he goes, well, I only collect my mistakes. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> uh, you keep them long enough, they pay off, but y- y- you know, uh, anyway, 
So, right. If you lost money on a car and you want to sell it, just sell it, right? Don't try to play the game like it's going to come back, whatever. Buy something else you want to you want to keep, you know, and and move on or put, put money in a real investment, right? You get you got to separate those two things. So, uh, yeah, that, that was that was frustrating for me, not only because somebody went back on their word, but just the, the, the amount of uh, bad rationale that I, I could not make this guy see that all of his decisions were wrong <laughs> or his rationale for his decisions were wrong. Like they just don't make any sense. And I'm like, you know, eh, whatever. And you just, just charge them by the hour and, and then they can be as wrong as they want. And I can laugh all the way to the bank. Be like, okay, cool. That session was $500. And you just be call a- me in two weeks because you'll still be wrong. And I'll charge you another 500. <laughs> just to become like a car ownership therapist for people. I've, I've, I've seriously considered it. Seriously considered it. Don't mm. take any insurance. <laughs> you can afford it yourself. <laughs> We don't, we don't take insurance plans. That's funny. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, with that, let's move on to uh, commercial and on to our next segment. And Switchcast is brought to you by Celebrity Machines. Celebrity Machines offers more than 250 different screen accurate license plates as they've appeared in movies and TV shows, such as Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, and so many more. Celebrity Machines also makes our dealer insert plates, as well as our commemorative 2539 plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. Visit visit CelebrityMachines.com for more info, and use promo code SWITCHCAST to save 25.39% at checkout. Excellent. So, Celebrity Machines brings you the Wall of Shame. The Wall of Shame is the dealer's opportunity to review the customer because we rarely have that chance, at least publicly anyway. However, once again, I couldn't help myself but to add a dealer to the wall of shame only because this professional sales consultant posted in a dealer page attempting to make fun of a Karen. And this dealer page is great because essentially it's just a bunch of wall of shame. Like, look at what this customer did. Look at what that customer did. This, you know, negotiations are hilarious and it's, it's very entertaining, entertaining. So he attempts to make fun of a Karen and ends up getting so roasted by other salespeople of dubious scrupulality, scrupulousness is, is that a michael scott word i it, but i feel like the opposite of unscrupulous has to be a thing but, <laughs> the, but anyway that he uh, he self-owned himself and earned his place in the wall of shame so this is the the uh, cliff notes of the email that he posted trying to shame the client quote i was interested in the toyota you have and was speaking with joe blow in sales he would not give me any info i requested because he said his managers want me to come look at the vehicle in person typical somewhat annoying sales tactic they just want to get you in so they can close you and it's like this is the age of the internet friggin you know use it to your advantage uh continuing I was just in a car accident that resulted in my car being totaled. I'm extremely grateful that I didn't ask someone to drive me over an hour just to find out that the price of the vehicle is eight grand over the advertised price. I am not a Karen by any means. That being said, good luck conducting business. 
and a little more background, like she posted that she used to be in the car business and, you know, she had had like broken ribs and broken leg and all this stuff. So she's like, I'm not going in, like, just give me the information, give me the price. So she says it, the vehicle was eight grand more than the advertised price. So he's like shaming her. Like he goes, oh, here comes a one star review. Also, you have to say, I'm not a Karen. Then you are a Karen. And then he follows that up to like inform the dealer page. We have a four grand protection package and $1,200 dealer fee on all new and used cars. What? Yeah. So he immediately, and, and this is like a group that these guys love pulling gross. They brag about 10 pounders which is you know ten thousand dollar gross deals and how much they can make on the back end and all that like you know reading this makes me not want to be a, a, a sales guy at a dealership and not want to go to a dealership because you know they, <laughs> they live for profit and they just roasted this guy they're like so what you're saying is basically what she wrote was true <laughs> yeah you wouldn't give her any information you wanted her to get her in the door so you could slap your six grand worth of friggin mandatory extras and this is like i sell hundred thousand dollar cars we might gross five grand total they're talking toyota rav4s like a twenty thousand dollar car that they're already making front end gross on so let's say they're making you know 10 20 percent on it three four grand and they're adding six grand in just garbage. Whoa. I'm like, how do you sleep at night? Holy cow. And how are people putting up with that, too? Every car gets a protection package? Yeah. It's protecting you from too much money being in your wallet. <laughs> it must thing. be, like, yeah. Ceramic coating bounces holy the money God. right <laughs> off. <Yep. here. laughs> I mean, maybe there's a warranty in there and stuff like that, but golly mandatory yeah a mandatory it's crazy that's wild like a lot of new car dealers did this especially during the pandemic in lieu of adms right they're like well we're not charging over sticker but you have to buy six grand of this stuff right and that was like it's reasonable but on a used car like holy cow I think Carvana wants the notes of this dealership. <laughs> How do we do that? How do we make money? <laughs> <laughs> I think Carvana's stock is up, by the way. I'm sorry to report. I, I have not changed my position. Um, the last we talked about it, they were at like $7 a share. They're up to $24 a share. So I'm 400% wrong so far. So far. But. I'm still standing by that they cannot service the amount of debt they have, and it's eventually going to sink them. And there's still multiple states in which they are struggling to maintain their dealer license because of a lack of scrupulity. Scrup Should have put my life savings into Carvana six months ago. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, honestly, there's a whole bunch of people making tons of money shorting it, so that might not be the worst thing to do now at 25 bucks a share. Yeah. It's never good. You know, I kind of missed our roast Carvana section. It's been a while since you've done that. So. Well, because I'm kind of wrong. Well, I'm, I'm not wrong. I, I it, Give it time. Should everyone watch time. you short Carvana? It's, it's yes. <laughs> Just hop on Robin Hood. And I don't even know how to do that stuff. I invest for the long term. But a few people said it's the dead cat bounce. So, uh, yeah. 
listen, Toys R Us went bankrupt when they were profitable because they couldn't service the debt. Carvana still stinking isn't profitable. They're just cutting expenses. And so people are like, oh, yeah, they're making the right moves. We're going to their stocks going up. We got confidence. I tried doing the short term thing with Carvana once. I bought a bunch of um, uh, this was probably like six months ago or, or longer. I bought a bunch of calls which is essentially mm -hmm. now puts and calls are the, it's a super easy way to lose a bunch of money. Really, really quick. Switchcast does not recommend any. No, 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 advice. this is not, this is not investment this advice. This is not investment advice at all by any means, but essentially you're saying like that it's going to go, a stock's going to go up or down by a certain amount, but then you also have to predict like when it's going to happen and you have to be like dead on with everything and you can't right. just be like, Oh, it's going to go down like a dollar or two. Like Correct. you have to make a crazy guess. Right. So yeah, very, very risky. It's same thing with futures. Yep. 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 Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. So, why I don't do that stuff. Yeah. But yes. a lot of people made a lot of money doing that with a uh, GameStop, but man, maybe a Carvana is going to be a similar game. Maybe if you just, if you and, uh, forecast far enough out, then maybe you can like, for sure, but that's not that's not what these uh, Wall Street bets, uh, what they call themselves degenerates. That's not what they're doing. It's a like <laughs> these these win? guys have they're man. That's a ballsy thing that these guys are doing out there. <laughs> All right. Well, the appraiser is back and it's taking a new form tonight. Tyler and I are going to do a little challenge. So we've picked uh, auction results from random places and we're going to guess uh can you th throw me a pen ethan or something so i can make a note here um well, that's your question flag pen but we'll, uh, we'll be okay well anyway you're back the curtain don't, don't do that <laughs> yeah what what's a question flag pen um, we're perfectly synchronized here at all times absolutely we have a monitor back here that lights up when we have questions in the chat. um and it blinks when they're paid questions <laughs> Exactly. There's actually a mini rave that happens when there's a paid question that comes in. We get real excited. Yeah, but you won't the see whole it, audience so. does a wave. Synchronize. Let's see it, Dan. Our whole audience, Dan? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no one in the audience did it. Um, the appraiser, right. So we're picking random cars from across the internet. And uh, Tyler and I, are, we each pick different cars. And hopefully we haven't actually seen the results. This is not planned in advance. This is not scripted. This is off the cuff guessing. And each of us is going to give basic details on the car. And then we have to guess what it sold for. And the person who is closest on a percentage basis wins. And we're also going to start this on a weekly basis. So we're going to pick uh, one to watch for next week. Uh, and we're going to predict the price and see how close we are. I see people predicting prices all the time in the comment flow of auctions. And I think that's kind of bad form to do it in the auctions because it's just like that's totally irrelevant unless you're bidding or have relevant information to discuss. Uh, you know, just guessing on the price is kind of dumb. But, um, you know, other places to do it is great you know it's it's off track betting right yeah uh so we may start this if you guys want to participate uh you can also put your predictions in as well we may have uh, some prizes available uh once we get this going so to start it off tyler fire away what is uh what is my car all right so your car now this is a completed auction uh we wanted to get something rolling this is a 2001 audi s4 avant it is it's it's so cool uh, located in the U.S. Five, so that's a turbo. Turbo, uh, maybe. Turbo Do you want five the cylinder, right? No. No? I think these had... Uh... Oh, gosh. Oh, uh, oh, goodness. Okay. No, they had uh, the V6. 
Oh, that was a, so. It's a B four Avant, right? Uh, you know, I do not have a ton of Audi knowledge. Okay, fine. Moving it's a on. 2001 Audi S four Avant is it a stick shift or an yeah. automatic? It's a manual transmission. Six speed. What color? Imola yellow. I was gonna ask <laughs> if it was yellow. Yes. It's got the like two tone on more interior. or less than 150,000 miles. It has more than 150,000 miles. Yup. Somebody's enjoyed that. Is it stanced? Uh, it is not. <laughs> okay. How it, many more than 150k miles does it have? It has 184,000. Okay. Any other good Carfax maintenance records? So it's got clean title, clean Carfax. Uh, seems to come with a bunch of service records. It has an a Unitronic Stage One tune. Mm. I have no idea what that means. Is it an air filter? Is it? I don't know. Um, but yeah, there's a bunch of service records with it, so it was well cared for. Okay. Did it sell on cars and bids? It did. Ah, I no. Knew it. Do you know this car? No, I don't. Okay. I'm just like I guess the car and I guess the market place. Um, okay, I'm gonna read you your car. And then we're going to do the numbers and see how close we are. I've, I've got uh, I've got my sale number down here. Mm. I did spoil this for myself. I mean, I'm staring at the listing, so I know how much mine sold for. Well, you, you, the one you picked. Yes, I'm going to yeah, read yeah. you yours. Okay. Two th- we both picked wagons. 2013 Mercedes E63 AMG. That's the twin turbo. Sorry, bi-turbo. Five and a half liter V8. And it's the 2013, so it's a rare rear-wheel drive wagon. Has a hundred thousand miles, clean Carfax, but some minor paintwork. It is steel gray over almond, and the panel sunroof is a glass viewing panel because it doesn't work currently. I'm sure you don't, you don't need to open it anyway. Right. Um, had a hundred thousand dollar MSRP originally. Ooh. So. 2013 E63 rear-wheel drive wagon, 100,000 miles, clean Carfax, some paintwork, any in-op pano sunroof. Okay. Um, I know I'm going to embarrass myself. For okay. So this is going to be Tyler learning how to guess the car market for the next few weeks here. All right. I don't know these very <laughs> Do you well. you want to think about it for a minute? Um, I'm going to... I'm going to give you my number. Okay. So on the S4 Avant, I'm guessing 184,000 miles, but yellow. I'm going back and forth on this over a grand, but maybe I'll split the difference. I'm going to say 13,000. It was close. Yeah? It went for 12. <sighs> not bad. Real close. My fir- the first number I wrote down was 12.5, and that's not including, fi- that's the hammer price, right? Yes. Okay, so I'm 1,000 off. All right. Um, all right, so what do you think on the E63 wagon? Uh, I'm gonna guess 45k. Is oh, that, like, way I off? win. <laughs> well, yeah, I like, win. How far off is that? Oh man, it sold for 30 grand. Oh, hmm. 30 I was grand. gonna guess 35, and I was like, well, it's an AMG. It's probably worth more. Ah, oh, the AMGs have really come back. Really, they have really come back. Yep. Yep, this is just me embarrassing myself. Yep. So is this going to be a thing where you guys like keep a running like tally week after week of how much you're off by? Then by like the end Ooh. of the season, you'll have like yes, 
I do kind of think now we can chat. We'll figure this out offline, but like I kind of think reward or even like a punishment. Like we do it this for a certain amount of time, and the loser has to do a shot of malort. Malort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you get forty-five thousand. Like it sold for thirty point two. All right, Ethan, you gotta do a spreadsheet uh, or something. Doug's okay. A next week. Lead here. Next week. All right. This is gonna. This is gonna give you a chance to. Uh, see what you know about the wagon or prove uh, your your knowledge of, of options and how they play into the market. Because this is an important thing for buyers and sellers to understand, right? So we're going to do another Mercedes E63 wagon. It's a 2012, also rare rear wheel drive. Black over almond. It has the P30 performance package which is essentially a tune, but it gives it like 100 extra foot-pounds of torque and I think 50 extra horsepower. Ceramic brakes, super rare option. Also limited slip differential. Uh, It's probably a one-of-one as produced option. It's a Corvette rare. (laughs) 94,000 miles, clean Carfax. It has a $124,000 MSRP. So for reference, the other one had 100K MSRP. This one had $124,000 MSRP. Okay. Similar mileage, but crazy options and also better photos on the listing. So we're going to find out how much having options helps the resale. So the other one sold for 30.2. What do you think this one's going to sell for? Ends I'm going to guess four days. 37 and a half. 37 and a half. Okay. All right. I think you're wrong, but okay. Where do you? Well, I probably am. Like All I will right. learn. Just give me, we'll give me a We'll find few out weeks. next week. Find out. Okay. Uh, if any of you guys want to watch that one, that is on Bring a Trailer, so you can see how off Tyler's going to be at the end. <laughs> it's going to be embarrassing. <laughs> I need to drink myself. To uh, it's got ceramic brakes, bro. Yeah, but how important is that on a wagon? Like it's cool, but the LSD is more impressive. One. Okay, what's mine? So this is going to be easy for you, but I wanted yellow Germans. Is I was that's really just kind of it <laughs> that worked. Sounds really like that sounds Sorry, really bad. We're going to move on from that. German uh, cars. Yeah, German cars. So this is a uh, nineteen thousand mile uh, two thousand and three nine nine six GT two that is on P car oh, market. Yep, I saw that one in uh, speed yellow. Yeah. Oh gosh, I don't have my numbers handy. How many of them were made in speed yellow? Okay, nineteen k mile. Oh shoot. GT2 market lately. Uh, it's got the black interior with carbon package. Okay. Uh, it was uh, Carfax. Title's clean. Carfax has an accident on it. Ooh. Uh, damage mm. to left side. There was oh, details about the accident in the listing. That's going to kill it. Do you want the details of the accident? No. Okay. I, it doesn't matter. That's Carfax kill only says damage to left side. Okay. In 2009. I'll tell you that. All right. Uh, it was featured. Any at, modifications? No, it seems so. It's had like a bunch of refurbishment and maintenance. Okay. Tons of like gobs of records. Okay. Uh, it was featured at Monterey Car Week in 2019. And Porsche used it in some commercial like around the same time. Ooh. So it was at Willow Springs. Oh, man, this is tough. These 996 GT2s have been all over the board lately, and there's a number of them that have not sold and aren't sold. Oh, man, you're killing me here. I'm going to say this. I'm going to make a bold prediction. One, that it's going to go reserve, not met. Two. 
This looks so cool. I'd drive the bejesus out of this. Mm. I'm going to say 170. That is pretty high, but I guess that's kind of around. I know nothing, as I've shown so far <laughs> I know <tonight>. nothing. <laughs> okay. I do feel like the accident really hurts that. It does. Okay. Well, let's see what happens. All right. That's on P-Car Market. So, guys, if you want to uh, uh, participate in our betting and uh, see what happens next week. Send some alert in my yeah. future. <laughs> <laughs> see, how, see how we do. Okay. On to the question of the week. And if you guys got questions, get them in uh, quickly here. We're wrapping up towards the end of the show. All right. And the question of the week is brought to you by Nuts for Sticks. Nuts for Sticks is a brand celebrating the manual transmission in all of its forms. Forget those flappy paddles because we like shifting ourselves. Check out our fun and funny stick-themed shirts at nutsforsticks.com and save 10% on your order using the discount code SWITCHCAST. That is nutsforsticks.com and use code SWITCHCAST. So our question of the week uh, this week comes from Jim Ryder. Uh, he asks, what is your take on the hands-free app on newer cars and trucks? For me, I feel that anything that takes you away from driving the car truck is not helpful, but potentially harmful. Sort of like texting while driving. I am a firm believer of both hands on the wheel at all times and eyes on the road, always. And then some slander. Uh, by the way, load up a bit larger applause track at the end of the show. Well, that is authentic. <laughs> right, Jim. The applause that track is, is, is directly is related real. to how many people are clapping yeah. in the room. This Jim, is only an authentic show. We have not show. stooped to using tracks. Jim is a good guy. Yes. Shout, Jim, shout out to Jim. Jim Jim's is a, a regular listener and a customer of Switch Cars. He is uh, posting every week, and uh, this is a really good question. Now, there's two things. I'm not quite sure which one he's asking about. There's like the hands-free in terms of using your cell phone, uh, and then there's like the hands-free in terms of not driving, right? Like the, the hands-off. Maybe he can clarify if he's in the chat. Um, I've got opinions on both of them. Um, the hands-free, like Bluetooth use your phone without using it, I think is awesome because let's be honest, we take phone calls, we get phone calls, um, we make phone calls and being able to just like keep your eyes on the road and, um, you know, do that without taking your, your eyes off the road is fantastic. Now there are, what is the three types of distractions? There's the, 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 the visual, the physical and the mental, um, and technically to be truly focused on driving, you shouldn't have any of those distractions, but the, the worst one is visual. The second worst one is physical. The third one is mental. Like you're always going to have sounds and stuff like that around. Um, so if you can take the visual and the physical away in terms of not having your phone in your hand and limit it just to the mental distraction of, of talking, I, I think that's a, a great improvement. Um, separately but related ohio finally passed a law making using your phone in your car illegal um like having a phone in your car like it's it's very nuanced you're allowed to swipe once so like if you answer a phone call or are holding it up you're allowed to actually talk on the phone but anything more than a single swipe is illegal now i don't know how the cops are going to friggin' know that yeah, all they what? do is it, it it's silly because they're not going to enforce it right all they're going to do is point the radar at you and pull you over if you're speeding they're going to continue to arrest people for speeding and pull people over for speeding and friggin' ticket us all and raise revenue 
um, when when the phones are the real problem. I, I literally almost died on the way here because some punk in a BMW came way over center line and put me off into the shoulder and just wasn't. Yeah. Anyway, and that happens daily almost. But from that perspective, I like it from the other perspective. I don't maybe he was asking about the like the hands off driving the autonomous stuff. I am firmly opposed to it because I think that um, it it trains people to not be paying attention to not be good drivers. And we were just discussing this today with somebody who has a teenage driver and their Mercedes has all this stuff, the adaptive cruise control, the lane assist, like you can literally just drive and, and not do anything. And she's like, this is terrible because my daughter is learning. Like she's not learning how to react to situations. And I found that even if I'm using cruise control, if I have to brake, I have like a second delay because the muscle memory isn't there to go from the gas pedal to the brake. I just like I'm checked out just enough mentally that it's like, oh, shoot, I have to brake. And there's a delayed reaction time. So I think these uh, things that help us drive ourselves are actually taking away from our driving skill. And I think long term they're they're dangerous because we continue mm -hmm. to rely on them. And if you want more opinion on that, go read Matthew Crawford's book, Why We Drive. It's awesome. He ties uh, our engagement in driving and our skill in driving to our mental health, to our, um, you know, level of skill and happiness and enjoyment in life. It's, it's really amazing. Um, it's, uh, it's a great book. One of the best I've ever read. Um, but on that note, somebody tweeted this week that they had just completed a, like, uh, West Hollywood to San Francisco zero takeover drive. Like they never had to oh, correct yeah. the autonomous thing. Wow. And um, somebody was like, oh, well, did you, you know, did it park itself? That would be impressive. And they said, well, no, actually it did. You know, one of the charging stops, it pulled in and out of the parking lot by itself. I was like, one of the charging stops? <laughs> it's like 340 miles. <laughs> How many times did you have to stop to charge in yeah. 340 miles? <laughs> My Corvette could make it on one tank. But you're not going to drive it that far. <laughs> like a diesel Golf could go out and back nonstop. <laughs> As could a hypermiling Prius. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, Elon, somebody was like, oh, let's see you do it, you know, L.A. to New York City. And Elon Musk tweeted that like soon or whatever, like he's going to do it. So apparently and <laughs> Elon's going to try a autonomous drive from la to new york city which how about it'll that? happen when the cyber truck comes out right but how i'm pretty sure that, that tweet made dogecoin go now. nuts hey, ethan that's exactly my response how, how about, that? about that how about that? <laughs> i was talking to someone the other day who uh this isn't like autonomous driving but they were saying uh like oh man I've, if i uh you know when, when it's raining out or if it's snowing or if there's ice covering my um my, my rear view camera like i can't i can't even like put my car in reverse if i can't see it and i was like what what that's exactly it which is exactly what when you're saying we here. become dependent on these things to do them for us then we can't do it it's like your mom doing your laundry if she does it through college then you don't know how to wash your that's dang right. clothes that's right so <laughs> yeah we're gonna have a bunch of adults in 10 years that can't back a car up 
That was, yeah, that was, I mean, technology fails. That's a more extreme example, but I know for a fact that that person is not the only person who feels that way. I mean, it's, it's, people are, kids are learning how to drive when they're in high school or or even before in some instances on these vehicles and they're being taught by their parents like, yeah, you just look at the rear view camera. That's it. You don't need to worry about your mirrors. Doesn't matter. Well, and and I I talked to somebody else too that said like, well, I want to buy my kid a big safe vehicle with all the stuff to keep them safe. And I was like, the best thing you can do to keep them safe is send them to an advanced driving school to make them a good driver. Their safety is in their hands, not in the cage you put around them. That's right. Right? That's right. All right. Mic drop there. Uh, we got to get go. to props and flops. We have run out of time. Thank you for sticking with us. Again, stick around for Tip Talk afterwards for your live questions. And uh, go for it, uh, Tyler. And Props and Flops is brought to you by Switch Cars. Switch Cars is the enthusiast's dealership where we buy, sell, consign, service, and store only cars that we like ourselves. So go check out our handpicked inventory at switchcars.com. And our pick of the week, by none other than producer Ethan, uh, from Switch Cars Inventory is... 2022 Shelby GT500 with only 1,000 miles in eruption green. Oh, the green is so if good. If you Freudian slip that word... It's oh, also boy. accurate. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> anyway, I'm that's here with on our site. It's actually what? sale pending, but it is such a great color. So check it out. Um, flop of the week. Uh, so there was a school a car crashes into a school bus. A bunch of like teenagers stole a car and were hanging out the window and crashed it into a school bus. And one of the people who was hanging out, the video is pretty graphic. It was um, kind of awful, but um like hit the school bus and then you like see them just like flopping out the window um <sighs> but the other five kids in the car just took off running after the car crashed but so i mean the whole thing is is awful um and there's a real systemic issue in our society if, if kids are doing this but the, the, mm. the second flop was in this article on Fox 6 Now. Community, community activist Tracy Dent said, despite the crash, that reckless driving is declining citywide. She believes that some of the city's efforts, like speed bumps and a towing initiative, are starting to work, but there is more to be done. How is a towing initiative working against reckless driving? You're parked when you're towed. Listen... <laughs> Listen, <laughs> reckless. This this was n- the, the problem here was not reckless driving. It started way before that. The kids stole a car. Yeah, the I problem here is parenting. Right. Like this is speed bumps, <laughs> speed bumps. Yeah, let's fix the crime problem. Let's put speed bumps in. What the hell is a community activist anyway? Also, what kind of response to that news story is that? Like that was right. That's insane. We know this like critical condition. He's in a coma. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's terrible. But let's talk about how great like we're doing. We're doing pretty great. Go on. Community activist group is just we're killing it because they are killing it. Yeah. Good heavens. Yeah. That's Let's a, put more that's speed bumps in so the kids that are reckless driving can try to get air off of them. I mean, that's what I would do if I was 16 and yeah. didn't have parents around. Golly. When I was in high school, no one wanted to go over speed bumps because it would, like if you had a CD in your, uh, in your car, it would be like, 
<laughs> so no one wanted to do that because it would scratch your CD. When I was in high school, we still used the adapters that took the CD-ROM with yeah, the cable, <laughs> put the cassette in. Okay, there's way more to be said on that topic. We're going to leave that alone in the interest of time. The prop of the week. Wait for it, guys. You will not believe this. I'm waiting. I'm buckled. It is an EV. I don't believe you. I, I Good just, thing I'm sitting down. Is this, did Doug leave? Are you this gobsmacked? I, I, I am, yeah, flabbergasted. <laughs> is that on your word of the day toilet paper this morning, Doug? Okay, okay. <laughs> Callum Designs teams up with Niobolt. Uh, this is courtesy of Goodwood.com. Niobolt to create an all-electric sports car collaboration. Uh, the designer julian thompson who designed the original lotus elise drew this car up as like a, a new modern version of the elise which it is friggin gorgeous and that is why it gets the prop of the week now they have all sorts of amazing technology in that you know it's a lightweight battery the car is supposed to come in at only two thousand pounds which i'll believe it when i see it uh it's supposed to charge in only six minutes uh, you know, all this different stuff. It only has a 155 mile range. So there's a downside there. Um, but you know, it's a sports car. It's not supposed to be practical. However, I'll preface all this by saying this is a concept car. They claim to have tested all these things, but there's been lots of claims by lots of people, including Tesla that have not come to fruition. So we'll see if once it comes out, um, it it actually works. If it doesn't, I am so game to friggin' LS swap this thing because it looks awesome. God, this looks amazing. Yes, it does. Oh. What's, what I find uh, kind of interesting too, right? So the Lotus Elise came out in the 90s. The Lotus Elise was the basis for the first Tesla, right? It was a Tesla Roadster. is based on an Elise chassis. Uh, it was also the basis for the Hennessy Venom GT. They used a stretched Lotus Elise chassis. So the Lotus Elise has like carried its legacy on in all these different forms, uh, which I think is really neat. Uh, it really was a groundbreaking sports car, and it is continuing to be. So anyway, watch uh, watch this Callum Designs thing. We'll see where it goes. Uh, and uh, even if it goes nowhere, it is a beautiful, beautiful concept. So... Anyway, that wraps it up for this evening. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you to uh, uh, my producer, Ethan Huffnagel, and my partner in crime here, Tyler Sanders. Thank you to our sponsors, BoxCast, Nuts for Sticks, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machines, Parallel Printworks, and Stephen Holm Woodworking. Our bumper music is provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream their full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available next Monday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts, head over to switchcast.live to download those audio podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m. as we look forward to edifying, educating, and entertaining you on the drive of your life. Cue that applause All right, track. Jim, Jim, if you're listening, you can feel free. Feel free to send me an audio track of some yeah. applause, Jim, and we'll, yep, we'll yep. throw it in here. I know you got that somewhere.